I changed the settings where it allowed you to record. Okay. Let's see. Looks like it's recording. Awesome. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Our guest today is a guy named Justin Core. Justin is broker owner of the Core Group Real Estate. It's a boutique real estate brokerage here in Florida, close to us. So, Justin, how's it going, man? Good, man. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I see you are uh, working from the office today. I am. I'm in the office today, and uh, you know, every day's been different during uh, during COVID. You know, I've had a lot more car time. You know, just trying to get out of my own house. Uh, you know, to keep keep business moving with everything being shut down. But um, but we're good. We're, it's kind of the new norm. We've adjusted. Nice. Yeah, we are currently in the Carolinas visiting our parents um, right now. And you can see if you're watching the video, you can see we got a little bit of hunting paraphernalia <laughs> in the background there. So part of the mess. What they do up there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. So um, were you let's let's get let's talk about your story. Um, I mean, where were you born in Florida? Have you been here like your whole life? I was born in uh, North Alabama, but we moved down here and not the uh, it's early nineties. My dad took a job transfer from, uh, from Chrysler to GE to became Martin Marietta to Lockheed Martin and, uh, and there's a big lock, couple Lockheed plants here in Orlando. So that's ultimately where we, where we settled. So I grew up here in Orlando, Oviedo specifically. And, um, and uh, so this is, this is home. I'm uh, I feel like a Florida native minus, you know, actually having that on my birth certificate. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, that's unusual for Orlando because most people are transient. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's uh, we've seen this this town grow up a ton, especially you know Oviedo specifically being you know kind of one of those offshoot suburbs of uh, of downtown. But um, Orlando as a whole has just blown up dramatically since we uh, since since I was growing up here. Yeah, so um, let's talk about like um, you know what were you like as a kid? Were you entrepreneurial? Um, what you know what's the story there? Uh, yeah, I mean, my parents would, would, would indicate that I, uh, the one story they always tell is I, one of our, I went to a football camp at UCF when I was probably in sixth or seventh grade. And, um, I ended up, you know, selling and, and doing a delivery service for, uh, for cold drinks in the dorm area where we were staying and just trying to, you know, trying to hustle a little bit and, and fill a need because, you know, people didn't come, come prepared. Um, and then, How did that go? Was that was that profitable? Uh, you know, probably probably made a few dollars on cokes or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, more, more the hustle at the time. And then, you know, I remember my 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 first real job experience was I got a ticket when I was sixteen. I was going down to um, my parents let me drive to a concert down in uh, it was in Tampa. And um, on the way back, I got hit. Polk County. Uh, they don't mess around in Polk County. <laughs> and uh tagged me pulled me over and so i had to get a job i had to pay for that ticket that was that was kind wow. of that was kind of the deal um so i spent two weeks you know uh doing a cash registry at, at the albertsons at the time and realized that was just not for me so started picking up you know some lawn mowing gigs and um i taught guitar lessons beginner guitar lessons to some kids and so that was all during high school after, after that incident, I, you know, pretty much was, was, you know, trying to figure out places I could, you know, earn a little bit more than a minimum wage, uh, you know, type of income. And, uh, and so yeah, 
how much that transpired into where I am now, I don't know, but it was just more the, you know, more more the need to elevate, leverage a little bit, and uh, and and do things better than than everybody would. You know, did you know, like going into college, did you know that you wanted to be in real estate? I generally yes. Um, I start my senior year of college, of high school. I started reading like the Rich Dad Poor Dad books. Um, uh, some of uh, you know the art of the deal. I read some Trump back then. I was I was an an, an OG in the Trump Trump world. Um, <laughs> I uh, you know so I, I started seeing that okay you know where is the the vast majority of wealth and and, and real estate's one of those main you know main 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 pathways. So I didn't know to what extent I would be in this in, in the real estate world. I knew it was a, an area of interest. Um, so my, I did, I was, I was a, a weird college kid that designated quickly. I was going to, they had a real estate program at Florida state where I went to school. And, um, so I, I said real estate out of the gate. Um, and, uh, and I stuck with it. And so what uh, time frame was this? I was in 2000, I graduated high school in 2005. So it would have been 2005 when I was kind of determined. And it was a, that was when real estate was just on the rise, like crazy. Real estate was cranking at the time, and and as a you know as a high school kid, I don't know how much awareness I had to that. I, I really don't. I remember hearing you know that you know things were going to be unaffordable at some point in the future. You know by now, you know, but I don't think that registered from the standpoint of that's what I got to do. You know, it was more the you know some of the fundamentals of what I was reading that was dictating you know kind of that path. It's funny because Rich Dad Poor Dad was one of the first books I read as well that really got me thinking yeah. in terms of, um, you know, investing in real estate, passive income, all these, they're kind of, they're really buzzwords now that are overplayed, yeah. but it does, it really shaped my thinking. I mean, to For sure. a positive extent, some things like if you take it too literally, uh, it can kind of backfire because I mean, he's, you know, nobody's, nobody's as successful as lazy and he talks about him being lazy. Yeah. So that part, you got to take with a grain of salt, but for the most part, the principles are, are really sound. Yeah, I think it was more, more mindset, you know, um, yeah. you know, kind of framing out, okay, you know, am I going to go be a, uh, be somebody who negotiates my salary on a, on an annual basis or do I want to, do I want to be somebody who gets up and earns it every day, you know, and kind of with no, with no limit. And so that was the mindset that, you know, that changed for me kind of in, in, in the trajectory. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 2005, you're reading these books, you go to college, you decide you want to start going into real estate and then we all know what happens in, you know. 2008. So what was that like? So I, my, the story I tell 2008, I was, I, I remember walking into a commercial banking class um, that I was in at the time and literally on the news cycle at that point when I'm walking in, he's, we're watching Fannie and, and Freddie go under. And, <laughs> um, and so it just created a, a really unique experience would be my belief because I hadn't been in those classes otherwise. Um, where, you know, my professor who had spent a career in, in the banking world, uh, you know, sitting on boards and, and, and managing banks and everything else had no clue what this meant. I mean, really, we were kind of unpacking it together. Like, what does this really look like? How's this unfold? And, um, so it was interesting coming through that and then getting a degree in real estate really at the bottom of, um, you know, this unknown period of time and kind of got a pat on the back and a good luck um you know crossing the stage it was just you know it was just kind of interesting good luck real estate department you know go 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 figure it out um and so yeah it, with that being said it was a great time 
to get into real estate. Great time uh, to get started. It was a little bad time if you were already fully invested. <laughs> if you were already in fully invested, if you were already, if you were, you know, somebody in the brokerage or investment world that, that kind of had a, you know, set way of, of operation, of operating. Um, but for somebody coming in and saying, okay, I, you know, I don't have excuses at this point. I don't have bad habits. Let me go figure out um, where I can. You don't have bad debts it. either. <laughs> no bad debts. Yeah. At least real estate related. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, so we, we did, I did really well getting into that world that time. I mean, you know, it was, you couldn't mess up. People were, you know, sellers weren't happy about what they were selling for, but, um, you know, but there was a lot of transactions to be had, a lot of bank owns, a lot of short sales. Um, you know, we did, a, I did a lot of business during those few So years. as you were graduating college, real estate was already on your mind and you just see these mat, these sales for massive discounts and you, you just kind of dive head first. Yeah, dove head first, um, you know, so I got out, you know, it, it was not a great time. I didn't know, as I said, I didn't know exactly what niche of real estate I was going to be, you know, kind of moving into, um, you know, but at that time I knew, okay, look, development, you know, going that route is not an option, you know, like everything's on halt, um, you know, going into the, you know, commercial sector, you know, we, we were seeing, I mean, we all remember seeing these retail strips just sitting empty. Um, so I went traditional residential brokerage, um, and, uh, where I knew I could get some reps. That was the only goal at that point. You know, it was kind of that, that era where I knew I needed to get reps. I needed to have, you know, real estate related conversations. I needed to build my, you know, add some tools to my tool belt. Um, you know, and, and, and a big part of, you know, the real estate is, is just sales element of it anyways. And so, um, so that's what I dove head first into and, uh, and, and, it's, it's really created a good career. Okay. And so then that led, you did that for a couple of years and then you decided to start your own. Yeah. So 2015, we left, I, I kind of built a team at, at Cobalt Banker so is the, where, where I went at the time, which is a big national, national brand. And um, it was a good place to get started, but I knew um, for me, I knew I wanted more. I wanted, uh, you know, I wanted to, um, you know, build something. I wanted to build something that could outlast myself. And I know just being at a, you know, being in a company where I'm, you know, transacting the problem with, with, with the brokerage side of the business is every transaction. Now it's time to do another one. You know, you're, you've, you've got to continue to feed that. And so I wanted to be able to grow something. I wanted to grow a, grow a team that could, you know, grow and do more than I could ever do on my own. And, um, and so I launched out, launched core group real estate. And, um, and so we're, we term ourselves boutique in the sense that, we are, we are small. We are nimble. Um, I've got some absolute killer agents, um, that do great businesses. Um, you know, and so as a, as a small, we only have with, with admin and agents here, we're, we're under 20 people in total, um, which is really, you know, how we like it. We're always looking for good talent. Um, but we're not out to be the biggest guy in town. We don't want to be the, you know, we don't want to have, you know, hundred, 200 agents here because what comes with that is a lot of mediocrity. Um, and, and I just, I, I don't mesh well with mediocre salespeople. Uh, it's, it's hard enough to, to wrangle salespeople in the first place and, and, and manage them. And, and, you know, because a good salesperson is, uh, they're their own hard animal. Yeah. And, um, and so we're, we're looking for cream of the crop. You know, we're not, a, we're not beyond taking people who are new, but they've got to possess a lot of talents and skill sets and, you know, and, and, and 
internal motivation of their own for us to really spend the time to get them where they want to go. I mean, we look around our, even our area here and, you know, the average agent in Orlando sells, you know, a million, million and a half in, in real estate a year. Um, you know, we do that, you know, every week. And so, you know, it's a, it's a less than that, you know, so it's, it's, it's just a different game we want to play, you know, and have, I, I just personally want to always be surrounded by great people. That's why I love talking to people like you who are doing things at a, at a high level. Um, and that was one of the other reasons for breaking out from our, from our old brokerage was I just looked around and I said, there's no one here I want to be like, you know, right. I've got to have something to shoot for. And so, you know, continually surrounding yourself, you are the average of, of who you surround yourself with. Right. I believe that's that hundred percent. And, um, and so that's what we're always looking for to add people that, that are going to, you know, help us rise and be better. And so, um, you focus on residential, obviously, but you got a big commercial arm too, and you guys are doing a lot of multifamily right now, as well. Yeah, so it's it's kind of multifaceted. The uh, residential, you know, our, our 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 team, you know, is is great at the behind the scenes process of transacting, you know, and so um, what that allows us to do is go find, you know, business in in all these different facets, you know. So residential is a good bread and butter. It turns and you know, 30 to 45 days. Um, you know, it's, that's a, that's a big segment of our business. On the other side, I've got, um, Kevin, who's on my team, you know, spent his career until he came on with me doing, um, you know, more eminent domain, um, appraisals and, you know, doing commercial appraisals at a very high level. Um, and so he and I, you know, collaborate on anything we can do commercially. And what we found, you know, with our business is that, um, the commercial business we like doing, comes out of our existing database, you know, so we've got, um, a family in, in, in town that I've, you know, done three or we've done three or four homes for, um, who happens to also have a, you know, company with a hundred engineers, you know, hundred plus engineers. And so we represented, we were able to represent them, you know, when they, uh, went out, purchased their own, you know, land did design build, uh, we played a role in that whole process and then leasing up, you know, any of their existing space. And so anytime we come along somebody and, and add value um, in, in a way that it's great when there's already a relationship there, when there's already trust there, you know, we're not having to, um, you know, prove ourselves in that. They know us, they know how we work, you know, they trust us. Um, we love being a part of that process. And so whether it's, you know, a specific business need um, or a, you know, physician client that, that we've sold houses to that, you know, wants to make a multifamily purchase, right? we can get involved in any of those and, uh, and just really enjoy that part of the process. Okay. Yeah. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about too, is what do you see as the future of real estate? Because a lot of our listeners own their own houses, their own residential houses. Um, and then at a minimum, they're involved in at least leasing, signing leases for renting commercial buildings. Sure. And some of them own or have the desire to own. So, yeah. you know, it's funny because we talked about, in 2005, you said people were saying buy now because pretty soon it's going to be unsustainable. Yeah. And then that created one of the best and it crashed and created one of the best buying opportunities in history. Yeah. So what do you see happening right now in terms of like how COVID and the market shutdown has affected the marketplace? Sure. So yeah, I mean, pre pre COVID, I think this is a whole different conversation um, on the residential side, which I think is a big fundamental of all of this though, because, you know, last, you know, 2006, we had a housing crisis. You know, I mean, that was the, that's what we've all termed it. 
And I don't believe in any way, stretch of the imagination that we are in a housing crisis at the moment. I think there's I agree. really good fundamentals there. Uh, most purchases, transactions we're involved with, people are putting 20% plus down because they're coming out of, uh, you know, this massive, you know, appreciation period. I mean, we had many years over the past 10 years where there was double digit appreciation. And so, you know, that family who bought their first home in 2013 is now selling it. I mean, th they're bringing a lot of equity to the table from that first sale. Um, additionally, I mean, you've got, you know, we've been in a low, low rate environment um, and a low inventory environment. And so uh, I feel like at the moment, what we're kind of in a, in a, in the residential side, I feel like we're kind of in a pause mode in terms of appreciation. I think we're going to have a little bit of a run here where we're kind of plateaued. We're not seeing massive, massive growth. Um, Why do you think it's pausing? Why do you think the appreciation is pausing? I think, you know, you, you kind of, you can look back over the, over the, these, these curves and we came up fast. There's no doubt about it. That doesn't mean we weren't getting back to a, to, to a, to a reasonable norm, right? Um, because we dipped so low for a period of time we're, we were in catch up mode. Um, and you know, you, the other fundamentals I always look at here, and this, this is kind of across the board is just affordability. And we're actually with, with rates where they are with home values where they are, and with um, uh, uh, incomes where they are, um, we've been in a great job market as well. So there, we're in a very affordable home market, although most people don't feel that way because they feel like home values have appreciated very quickly over the last few years. So the feels like and the data tell two different stories. Um, you know, and so you can look back. I, I follow a couple, um, you know, rent to own type of uh, indexes, uh, home value indexes. Um, there's a good one put out by, uh, I think it's Florida Atlantic University, if you go on their website, and they do a really good job and, and they'll break it down to different sectors of the, of the US. And you get differences in different areas, you know, where home values are not substantiated by the incomes of the area. Um, you know, you go to Hawaii is a prime example. You're dealing with, you know, a lot of both California and, and Chinese, you know, and Japanese money, you know, coming there. So it's not a matter of what the people there are earning to afford those. It's a lot of second homes. There's a lot of, and so, but you come to Orlando and the money's made here, you know? And so the, you know, we, there are, there's a second home and, you know, environment here too, but, but most of Orlando is very fundamentally sound based on the income levels here. Yeah. I think when people think of Orlando, they just think Disney because that's what yeah. we're most well known for. And you assume tourists, which is a huge percentage of, you know, the, the revenue every year. But it's still, I mean, like, it is nowhere near the majority of the Orlando commerce. I mean, the city itself with locals has just grown so much lately that there's, there's so much more to offer. Yeah, we are, we are seeing, you know, some influx of, of New Yorkers, which has always been a thing here. But we're seeing more of that now, even since COVID, um, you know, which every once in a while you start to feel the impacts of, you know, the, the, the money they're bringing from New York is different money than, than here too. You know, their, their, their uh, feelings on, um, on home values are that it's just a cheap market to buy in because of the environment they're coming from. And so um, that throws us off a little bit, but generally speaking, you know, on the residential side, it's a, to me, it's a great time to buy. You're taking advantage of, you know, 3%, you know, 30 year fixed mortgage is just, it's not I got quoted at like 2.5% refinance uh, a couple weeks ago, which is yeah. crazy for 30 yeah. years. Yep. 
yeah, it's out there. If you time it right, uh, you know, it, if, if you're not, if you haven't considered refinancing right now, you're, you're, you're missing the boat. Yeah. So, um, what do you think about the forbearance plans? Because you can't evict for 90 days. A lot of homeowner, uh, insure or, you know, um, mortgage companies are extending that forbearance and there's going to become a time where you got to pay the reaper. There's going to become a time where you are going to have to figure out how you're going to make these mispayments, whether it's in bulk or it's a deferment towards the end of your loan. And there's still a lot of people that don't have jobs. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what the employment rate is right now. I want to say it's, it's 9% or, or 10% or something. And that, it, and it's, it is getting smaller, but how do you see that factoring into the real estate market? I think at the end of the day, it's probably, you know, this time next year, hopefully it's a blip on the map. Um, I will say anybody who's dealing with this, if you have the ability to pay, just pay. There, there's always, there's always uh, other issues that go along with that, even if it's offered to you. Um, you know, what's happening, a lot of them are, you know, you have a, you know, three month ability to, you know, have forbearance for three months. And then at the end of that three months, that whole, the, all those payments are accruing to be due. Um, but every lender is different. Some of these lenders are going to re-push out, you know, just extend your amortization period. That's a different scenario. Um, that's the best case scenario. That's the best case scenario. From talking to some of our lenders though, you know, they're having issues with folks that are, you know, allowing a forbearance and then going and applying for a new purchase. And that's, that's still impacting their ability to qualify for the next purchase. And so even if it's available to you, if you have the ability to pay highly, you know, have a conversation with somebody about that to make sure you're not going to have any other, um, any other issues that come from that. Yeah. I tell you what, I learned that the hard way. Cause, um, with the beginning of COVID, I, I put my, I got a couple houses. I put them in the forbearance, not because I, I needed to, but just because, you know, it's sure. good to hold on to your cash during a, uh, a financial crisis, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to reinvest your cash. And so I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll put these in and I'll hold on to it. And, um, ended up being, it's kind of, uh, been painful because I am not able to refinance, you know, I have to wait. And, um, it's been, I'm trying to get out of forbearance and I can't, I mean, like they, they are so backed up. They keep offering me more abatement and I'm, and I'm telling them, Hey, I'm ready to pay. Like, let's just get back on track, you know, do it. Let's do a deferment. And they just haven't even processed my, um, my workout plan yet because it's been crazy. So the silver lining is the fact that I would have refinanced like when interest rates were like at 3.5 or 3.4 a long time ago. And so it kind of protected me and they've dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. So now when I come out of it, I think it'll be really good, but it's almost the point where it's taking so long. I'm worried the rates are going to go back up by the, by yeah. the time I'm in a position to refinance. So yeah, it is, uh, it, it wasn't, as simple as, as I thought it was going to be initially. So, and uh, you know, I think you're right in terms of like a blip on the radar for the foreclosures, how it affects the market, because we just have so many other strong indicators pulling us up right now. I mean, the interest rates alone are offsetting all of like, so I think that people look back to 2008 and, and remember the foreclosure, uh, the abundance of foreclosures that we had. And I know personally, I was optimistic. I was hope like, no, I shouldn't say optimistic is a bad word because I don't want people to lose their homes. But I was thinking there would be an opportunity to buy foreclosed homes at the end of this when all this was going on. But really, we're in such a different market. I mean, like you said, that was a uh, housing crash. And so people were had bought these houses, say it was $300,000. You're putting almost no money down. You have So you have zero equity built up. And then the, market, the housing market crashes a lot. So now your $300,000 house that you owe, you owe 300 grand is worth 200 or 150. I mean, you're completely upside down. So you're going to walk away from that. You're going to want to foreclose on that. The bank doesn't want it. 
Now we're in a position where people are losing their jobs, but the market of real estate has not gone down. So, and you had to put money down. So you, whatever you put in a $300,000 house, whether it's, it's 20 grand or, or 50 grand, you know, you had to put some money down and then it's appreciated over time. So you've got equity in your house. And the last thing, then the bank would actually want that house. And even though they're not in the foreclosure business, it's a lot more appealing right yeah. now than it was back then. So people are going to be trying everything they can not to foreclose because the market hasn't dropped. And then you got these stupid low interest rates, which allow people to get more of a house. And like you said, the lack of inventory. Um, and it, it, because, you know, when we had the 2008 crash, people stopped developing. And then that led to delays way down the pipeline, which we're just now seeing. And so, yeah, I, I think my initial assessment of the market of like having big buying opportunities, I think just turns out to be wrong. I, I think yeah. it's going to, maybe like you said, plateau. But if anything, I, I don't see why it would it continue to grow at least at a, a nominal rate over the next. Well, even weeks. so, even if there was a correction, you know, there's the, the fact that there's equity there allows for a correction to happen. If that, if that were to come right without people falling into a foreclosure scenario. So, you know, if, if a bulk of the market, if there's, if there's 15 to 20% of equity there, there's, there's an ability to have a pretty good correction if we did without having you know, effects of that after. Um, so that's why to me, you know, confidently, I believe, you know, it's still a, it's still a take advantage of, if, if you're looking to buy now, take advantage of it. Um, take advantage of the rate scenario because the, the rule of thumb I use for, for folks looking to buy is, and I don't think you should ever buy just because the rate's low, right? It's a stupid reason to buy a home or, or purchase a building or whatever you're doing. But 1% in rates, effectively about 10% affordability and costs on that principal and interest. So, right. you know, if we go up 4%, it'd be, a, it'd be the equivalent to losing 10% of, of home value, right? So, um, so there's, a, there's a lot of impact, you know, in, in, in rates being where they are. My personal, you know, prediction is if re-election is won by the current administration, we'll, we will see rates start to trend up. I just don't think they can stay, you know, suppressed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the way I are. And I, and I think, I think he's, you know, I think they're savvy enough to, to know that, um, there'll be some impacts of that, but you know, we'll be moving into a time where, um, nobody's concerned about reelection. And, uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, what comes of that. Um, but you know, I think all of us can, can guess on that. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, no, that's true. So it sounds like your current forecast for the economic outlook is, is pretty bullish. Feeling pretty good about things. Bullish. Yeah, I'd say that the where I get my head twisted a little bit right now is, is specifically in the commercial world, um, because I think we're going to see a shakeup. And, and personally, because we've felt it ourselves, we've seen um, we've had customers that were looking to expand um, that have since COVID called us and said, we're actually going to downsize, you know, our footprint, our real estate footprint for both Which office, space, office, um, office. I mean, that was and, and it's been a, it's been people having the ability to test drive you know, work from home. And, uh, and so we've gotten that call and they, you know, they've said we're, we're, we're still very effective with people at home. Um, and if we eliminate that, you know, that office expenditure off of our budget, I mean, even if we need to make a couple additional hires for inefficiencies, we can do that. You know, it makes total sense. Um, cause it's easier to cut payroll than it is to cut, you know, a, a long-term lease, right. Um, you know, or, or a mortgage or whatever. Right. So, um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what, what comes there. Certainly there'll be something to fill some of those vacancies in a different way. 
but I think the market's going to become very creative with how that works both in office and retail. Yeah, I, I, I think it is very interesting. The thing about the office, first of all, office, yeah, I'm not too optimistic. I'm not too bullish on that. Um, I, but the silver lining is the fact that you have to social distance now. So while you may have not have as many people in your office, you want to have more space per person. And so that can offset a lot of that downsizing. Now it still might end up in downsizing, mainly because people, you know, if you're suffering, you just, you have to cut costs more so than the actual work from home factor. But it's the combination of those two things um, does look a little grim. And then we've been advocating for healthcare to move to retail for a long time. And so you have, you do have a certain industry shifting away from office. So there's a lot, there's definitely a lot of things working against it. And then for retail, um, yeah, I don't see it necessarily going, uh, getting driven up in this climate. I mean, there's a lot of factors pulling it down. Like, like restaurants are really suffering, um, you know, bars and stuff like that. A lot of the places that take up these large retail footprints. But what it does from our perspective is it, it gives us opportunity because these places that were previously not accessible for a healthcare operator or somebody who, who would benefit from going into retail because they're just simply overpriced, or not overpriced, but it, it was expensive, right? And now you're going to have these opportunities where, hey, these prime real estate locations are becoming available. And so they're at a, at a point where it's actually affordable um, yeah. for the business model. And so I think that that's, you know, like you mentioned earlier, mixing, shifting uses for these lo- locations. I think that is going, and at least in the retail space, is going to help it uh, at least stay steady. You know, I don't see it, I, I don't see it dipping uh, as much as office. And if it does, then I just, I think it's a better opportunity because, you know, there's always a, a benefit to having client, you know, consumer facing real estate when you, yeah. with high traffic areas. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'd be interested to see kind of how this all shakes out because there's going to be some creative uses. I mean, we're seeing already the, you know, the, the, the uprise of the kind of the dark kitchen play for a lot of, uh, um, for restaurants, you know, moving into more of a delivery model, you know, where they're getting super cheap space, you know, in an industrial kitchen or whatever. Um, and, and it's cool because that creates opportunity for small, you know, kind of startup restaurants to actually build a, build a little bit of a brand and a footprint without having to go make that investment in real estate. How many of these places have we seen just turn over year after year after year, you know, with, with places that can't, because and the only reason they're failing is because the cost of their, you know, cost of their space i mean in most cases um there's a lot of a lot of good chefs out there um you know, there's, there, there's not a lot of great um you know operators just in general who, who understand the full um you know game of owning and running a restaurant so yeah it'll, it'll be it'll be super interesting because a lot of those spaces are going to free up especially seeing you know some of the these major chains close and file bankruptcy um i mean that's what you know if if three months of lost revenue causes bankruptcy, the margins they were surviving on were minimal, you know? I mean, that's the, that's the big challenge I see in that world, which hopefully will be good for, you know, other uses like you're talking about to, to get a play. Right, I mean, you know, a couple, it, it can be scary, but a couple human traits that you have to think about is, we like buying stuff. I mean, that hasn't changed about people just, just because, the virus is out there. People still like buying and consuming. I mean, that's just, we, we've proven that, right? That's human nature kind of. And then as long as people like buying and consuming, it's going to create companies that will sell to those people. And as long as those two human truths um, are, are happening, which, which they will be, like eventually we're going to come out of this. And so, it, you know, I, I don't think it's the time to put your head in the sand 
and and try and just weather the storm. I think there's going to be opportunities because every crash, crisis, every crash causes winners and losers. And if you want to be on the upside of this, if you want to benefit from this, if you want to be a winner, you got to be out looking for the opportunities that yep. it's creating. And I don't think that just sticking your head in the sand is is going to be a good long-term result. No, no, there, there will be opportunity here. There's no doubt about it. And that's just, just merely the shakeup. Um, but yeah, I agree with you 100%. People are going to want to get back out. But a lot of, but it, but it has caused a pivot in a lot of businesses for how they deliver their goods and services, right? Which hopefully will be a good thing long-term in terms of how we, in terms of some of these uh, businesses and how they operate. I think it would be a, you know, on the books for them will probably be profitable. There were some restaurants here that pivoted quickly. I mean, really quickly to the delivery and carry out. And they crushed and they, it. They've crushed it, you know? So they've, they've actually taken market share during this when, you know, places that they had no, you know, no consideration for going under. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool, man. This has been great catching up with you. Um, if people, how can people follow you if they want to get in touch with you? What, what's the best? Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm on uh, all the platforms, Justin core or core group real estate. You can find us on uh, our Facebook page on core group real estate and um, you know, between YouTube, Instagram, um, we're there. The core group fl.com is our website. And um, yeah, love to engage with anybody that we can help uh, help serve in any way. Okay, awesome. Well, cool. Well, what I'll do is I'll put that information in our in the show notes here. Um, cool. Your website, your email address, anything that you want. To, if people want to connect with you, talk to you more about residential real estate or or investing, or help even help with selling. You know, if they've got a house in the in the Florida area, stuff awesome. like that. Austin, I appreciate you having me on. Okay, man. Well, hey, you have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon, buddy. See ya. Bye. All right, cool. So I just stopped the recording on my end. You just want to go ahead and stop it down there at the bottom? Yeah.